0: It's Nick's birthday today. Anybody else, your birthday is today? I'm just curious. Anybody in the crowd that's here this morning? Me? I got hands going. <laughs> right. We're singing for Micah, too. Uh, it's his birth- hey, Mom, he, says this, he identifies that this is his birthday. Who are you to judge? <laughs> All right? Um, so I think we should sing to Nick. I mean, it's his birthday. It's kind of a tradition if I find out it's your birthday. So I know we just had beautiful singing. Now we're gonna have some leadership that's not so beautiful. But you know, I could make Hunter come back up here, you know, sing that, but I won't. I think I can do it, so let's sing together. Happy birthday to Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you, yay. I mean, we got we to keep Nick around. I mean, everybody needs St. Nick, especially on the 24th of December, and who else is going to ride around and deliver? You're not going to fill in for him. You work for the other team. <laughs> What's that? What about Christmas? I know it is. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you don't, you, it's supposed to be a secret. Forgive us. We need to have our time of arguing. We haven't argued this week yet. War Eagle. Oh. <laughs> all right, young people, you've had all the fun. You can head out to Junior Church now. Uh, looks like with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Mr. Bill, Miss Connie. Thank you very much. And Miss and Mrs. Weyerbach. Uh, good to have you all right, turn your Bibles to first Corinthians chapter eight this morning first corinthians chapter eight i 'm in between series right now, so uh, kind of just doing some things I feel the lord want, wants me to teach on so uh, today we 're going to be in First Corinthians chapter number eight, and we are entitled this morning 's message who cares who cares um, i, I don 't know it 's hard a time today to find people that really care isn 't it uh, we 're going to look today at first Corinthians chapter number eight. And we are looking at the life of the church at Corinth. Most of you know that Corinth was a very wealthy business center, uh, a trade center. And God used the Apostle Paul to plant a wonderful church there, but they had problems like every church does. But they had, in the New Testament, one of the more abundance of problems. They had legal problems in terms of they were suing each other. They had moral problems. They had incest going on. They had leadership problems. There was, you know, popularity contests going on between the, 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 the people in the church. They had theology problems with spiritual gifts. But they also had meat problems. Or maybe you could call it frugal Christian problems. Boy, that's a big problem is Christians that are just too frugal. Right? Frugal, frugal, frugal. (laughs) Right, Don? Right? Um, And Paul begins to deal with some of these problems in our text today. So I want to read with you 1 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse number 1. The Bible says, Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that all things have knowledge, that we have all knowledge, "'Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. "'And if any man think that he knoweth anything, "'he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know.' But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Let me have a word of prayer with you, and then we're going to get into our t- our text today. Lord, it's been good to be here today. Wonderful to hear the songs, to rejoice in you, and uh, so thankful as you lead in our lives. So um, just great to see Lainey and her baptism and her salvation. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we now take a few minutes and focus on your word, God, give us uh, just uh, A humble heart and a seeking heart that we could hear from you today Uh, may your word be relevant in each of our lives today in Jesus name amen now here in first Corinthians chapter eight Paul changes topics on what he'd been dealing with and now he says I want to talk about meats being offered to idols now I thought about all these different issues in the book of Corinthians and when it comes to the meat issue I thought now there's something worth fighting over right Some of you who know me know know better. As a matter of fact, I thought I want to make everybody hungry this morning, so um, there you go. Uh, I think so far no reaction, no reaction. Okay, there we go. Doesn't that look good? Okay, yes, it does. I've just lost everybody's attention. They, they, they had a, a meat problem. You see, in the day around when this book was written, in the city of Corinth was a very pagan city, and a lot of the pagan gods had temples, and you'd go to those temples, and they would offer sacrifices to these idols, and uh, they would get the sacrifice, some kind of animal, and, and uh, the, the priest would go and sacrifice it and cut it up, and then part of the meat that was given, that was used, was given to the priest as kind of like payment. Now, if you had a really busy day at the temple and you, you were sacrificing a lot of different, you know, let's say cows or whatever, you'd end up at the day, you can only eat so much, you know, you'd have all this meat left over. And, you know, what every good, you know, priest does is how do I find a way to generate income off this extra meat that I got? And so some of them they, they say actually had little uh, little little restaurants right there at the temple where you could go get, you know, fresh meat that had been just recently offered to the idols and, you know, eat it right there or you could go to their 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 refrigerated section and you could go over there and you could pick out the T-bone or whatever else and and it was sold at a discount compared to the local publics. And so you didn't know that started in Corinth, did you? Florida, Corinth, you know, same deal. Um, and Some of the Christians loved a good deal. And they knew that they could go get high quality meat for a lesser price because it had been used in this idol worship and they would go buy it. Well, other Christians were offended by this. Maybe some of them had even been pagan priests themselves once upon a time and they came to Christ as their Savior and any thought of anything connected to the temple was nauseating to them. They were offended by it. And so there was an argument in the church, is it okay to eat this meat that had been offered to idols? And Paul, in this passage we read this morning, and throughout chapter number 8, deals with this issue. Now, the phrase that the Holy Spirit really laid on my heart is the end of verse number 1 of chapter 8, where the Bible makes this statement, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Basically, this morning, I want to resolve the idea about how do I know who cares about people? And the question is, are we puffing up or building up? Now, when it says to edify, it comes from a root word, an edifice or a building. And when it comes to these debatable issues of our life, not the core center doctrine, but these debatable things, as we interact with one another... The position you hold, which can be one or the other, but how we hold it will result in somebody else either being built up or it results in me being puffed up. Always one of those two things that happens. So the question is who cares? Who's the one that really cares? Now, to figure this out this morning, uh, I want to look at three different principles that that the Holy Spirit gives us in these, these verses that we've read this morning, and three things to evaluate of myself, of how can I know if I'm building up or puffing up? Well, three questions. The first one I'd ask us to ask this morning is this, do I really know everything? Do I really know everything? Now, if you have a hard time answering this question, this is for you. Do I really know everything? You can imagine that the ones that were offended by this, these meats, would be going around the church and when they found out that somebody, they said, you got that meat down at the, at the temple discount meat shop? Do, do you know where that meat came from? Do you know the the, the, the different practices that led in and were centered around that sacrifice uh do you know if you buy that that your that that your money is it going to support the pagan temple does that sound like a familiar view do i really know everything see in our text the bible begins with saying now as touching things offered unto idols we know that we have all knowledge He's not saying that he has all knowledge about everything. He's saying we understand that idols are nothing, that the core theology had been established, that Paul had realized in these believers there that there was no hope in these idols. They were full of just, they were just, you know, silver and gold and made by man's hands and, and Jesus Christ was, was God and in him alone was salvation. They had all that figured out. But he's also recognizing, as he defines it, this doesn't mean that you know everything about everything. In connection with that, let me throw out to you, you know, you and I do not know the spiritual journey of every believer that we talk to. You do not know. You may think you know. But you may not know where they really are in their life. And sometimes in the ministry, one of the hardest things about being a pastor is when y'all come talk, I, I want to give you complete you know, confidentiality and, 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 and my heart and my burden. I want to be a person who cares, and, and I'll know stuff, and then I'll see interactions between some of y'all together. And, and one Christian is, is taking a very uh, stand on some debatable thing, and in, inside of me, I'm dying, I'm going, oh, I only wish you knew what was really going on in their life may I suggest to you this morning that be aware that you don't. Some of these believers in Corinth maybe had been very closely connected and this was a very difficult thing for them. Others of them may have thought right away, oh, these meats are nothing, you know, I'm going to get a good deal. Now, as I start this morning, I certainly do not want to minimize knowledge. Knowledge is a good thing, isn't it? We live in a day when people think they know a lot but really, I'd say I would submit we live in a pretty ignorant day, don't we? I mean, I know for us old people here this morning, if you'd have told me when I was 18 or 19 years old, the day would come in our country where we would not understand who was a boy and who was a girl, I would have told you you're crazy. I, I would have said, you know, you'd ask me, say, can you just make up money? Can you just print money and give money away? You know, I love it when I talk to folks. Let me get a little economical for you this morning. Um, and they'll say something like, oh, we need to raise the minimum wage to $20 an hour. I, 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 I You know what's fun to ask them? This is what you ask them. They say, yeah, you're right. You know what? It should be $25 an hour. And they'll go, yeah, it should be 25 Then go, it should be $30 an hour, and they'll go, yeah, and then they'll say, it should, no, you know, it should be $50 an hour, then everybody could go down and buy a really nice, yeah, it should be 50 no, it should be $100, keep going until they finally say, no, I don't think it should be there, and then ask them, why not? If We can just make it up. It don't work that way, does it? You know why eggs are $10 for a thing now? Because we're playing with fake money. Knowledge would help. You know, we live in a day where people don't know how to drive. <laughs> I was telling Byron before church about our, our, our newest car has semi-autonomous driving, and we took it out yesterday into the back back area out uh, there in the back roads north of County Road 40 and all these windy roads, and I thought I wanted to see if this thing can drive itself around these corners. You know what it did? It's driving itself around these corners, and then it has, you know, uh, there's a car in front of us, and he turned on his blinker to turn into his driveway, and I, I kept my foot real close to the brake pedal, but I wanted to see what happened. You know that car stopped by itself, come to a complete stop, wait for the guy to turn in, and then start going again. One of these days, we're gonna. Myron was telling me, he says, you know, I'm afraid of, we're going to have one of these days people are going to be sitting in the car and they don't know how to drive. <laughs> only only that, yeah, we're already there, I guess we could submit, right? I, I get frustrated people don't know how to order at a drive-thru. You're at McDonald's, didn't you know before you pulled into the line you were at McDonald's? They got numbers 1 through 10, pick a number. Uh, I'm always the one that gets behind the suburban, Sanchez's um. <laughs> use the app. Is that what it is? <laughs> All I know is I'm behind your car, and they keep going, handing things out the out the window. <laughs> How much can those kids eat? <laughs> or I'm behind the I'm behind the little you know the little Honda Civic, but the person is there to order for the entire office, and they work at IP international paper for those of you watching online knowledge is a wonderful thing you know the Bible has a lot of good things to say about it Proverbs chapter 8 verse 10 receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold Proverbs 15 14 the heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness Psalm 119 66 teach me good judgment and knowledge Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee. Knowledge is important. You know, I like it when, when I go to my dentist, I like it that he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and can I tell you, That my dentist has saved my mouth twice that I can think of which is amazing in of itself now y'all might want to thank him or unthank him for that. <laughs> it could be, you know, um, but I personally appreciate that. So, here's a shameless plug for Altaga Station Dental. If you're here this morning and this 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 sermon sponsored by Otaga State that rock. He's going to kill me for doing this. I want you to know that um, you know, he's he's, already, he's down there going I'm in, I am in trouble now, but you know, hey, shameless plug. There's that's even me down there. That's not an imitation, that's not a stand. That's actually me, you know. So, um so there you go. If you got a toothache this morning, don't you you cannot ask him this afternoon. You cannot ask him now. You have to call the office tomorrow morning at, at uh, 361-9880 and <laughs> um, see if you've got things going on in your mouth. It'll be wonderful. I tell you, he's really a nice guy, believe it or not. It's, it's, but I don't want to go to a dentist who doesn't know, right? I don't want to take my car to a mechanic that doesn't know what they're doing, you know? I won't name my mechanic because he really will kill me and I'm afraid of him. <laughs> so, knowledge is a good thing. But Paul recognizes that the Corinthian believers that had knowledge were puffed up with their knowledge. Hey, I understand that meats are nothing because I'm secure in Christ and that's a wonderful thing. But they allowed a wonderful thing to become a negative thing and in a way became a know-it-all and pride puffed them up And they were not loving. They weren't caring for their brethren. Do I know everything? Second question. Do I have a teachable spirit? Look at verse number two. And if any man think that he know anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. This is really simple. Paul goes on to say, anyone who has a know-it-all attitude shows that he really knows nothing. In his maturity, he shows his immaturity. He doesn't have a teachable spirit. Now, it's interesting. I'm going to get a little little uh, uh, geeky here on, uh, on original languages here. But it, it's interesting that throughout these first three verses, you'll notice the, the idea and the word knowledge. It's used over and over in these and really throughout this entire chapter. And almost without exception, the Greek word is gnosko or some root of gnosko, which uh, first-year Greek students know simply means to know. But in verse number two, when he says, the Bible says, and if, if any man think that he knoweth anything, that word knoweth there, is not Gnosko, but is another Greek word known as aido. And aido comes from a root word that literally means to see. And the idea of aido is compared to Gnosko. Ginosko is to learn experientiality, experientially or through education. Aido brings the idea of knowing because I see it. You know, I know Nick looks wonderful this morning because I see him. But you see how I can be wrong. No, you look great, Nick. He looks great. It has the idea of knowing through what we see. Do you think it's a wise thing always to believe everything that you see? I was telling somebody the other day, we live in a day they can, you know, even my iPhone now, you take the picture and I can take the picture of the picture and take like the picture of the people that are in there and you hold on it and then you can move the image, you know, of me or somewhere and you can paste it on something else. It's amazing what we can do. You know, I don't know, you see stuff, does that mean necessarily it's, it's the right thing? No. But how often do we think we know something because I've heard it and I've said it myself, well, I know what I saw. Back to point number one. Do you really know everything? I know when I saw a case closed. You see the pride and the unteachability in that? And then what we do is we go on and we make further judgments upon what we have seen and we defend that position to, with our core because after all, I saw it. Really now? Now let me be honest, you might be right. Sometimes you see things, and what you see is the honest, that's true. But the point this morning is sometimes you'll see things, and the mount that you've seen, the perspective from which you've seen it, you don't have all the information, and you've concluded by what you've seen a wrong conclusion. You all know the famous scripture judge not. See, online they all know it, that you be not judged. Matter of fact, most unbelievers know that verse. Every Christian is judgmental. They say, you're not supposed to judge. That's not the point of that passage that Jesus gives there in Matthew chapter 7. Matter of fact, here it is Matthew 7, verses 1 to 5. Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, shall meet it shall be meted out again to you. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt I say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam in thine own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. So he doesn't say you shouldn't judge. He says you better judge with a teachable spirit and with clear eyes. What what I find interesting in this passage, in Matthew's account, it has to do with what they see, lines up with here, I do that we're studying here in Corinthians. I I, I think I know what I see, but the problem is many times we have something in our own eye. Now, when Jesus tells him about how to judge, he says in verse number four, say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye. In other words, you think you'd be really good at doing eye surgery on yourself? Now, I have had eye surgery. I have survived two lasers getting shot into my eyes, you know. It's like... I can just, I've got miraculous eyes, don't I, hon? They were expensive too. (laughs) But do I miss the glasses? No. Very hard to do eye surgery on yourself. And Jesus said, you got to get, you know, let your brother pull that moat out of your eye that they can see really clearly, but you can't see. So the point Jesus is making is you need to turn yourself over to your brother and have your brother take a good look into your eyes and see if you happen to have a moat in there. Here's the deal. We are far more comfortable being the ones that are doing surgery on everybody else. You're wrong in this, you're wrong in that, you're wrong in yeah, yeah. But when is the last time we let, let our eyes be looked into deeply by somebody else? When's the last time you let them know what your marriage is really like? When's the last time you had... Some problem that you've been hiding and you know it's there and it's destroying your life and it's in there. And matter of fact, many times other people can see it, know it's going on, and, and you, you're under the oblivion that you're hiding it so well. You're not. And, but when's the last time we do that? And all he's simply saying is if you want to help your weaker brother with the issue on the meats and debatable things, you better have a teachable spirit and be willing to let a, another brother that you trust, you know, because I wouldn't let just anybody go gouging into my eyes and he lost my teeth, you know, let's say, know a little bit of something when I trust them but there's got to be that, that openness to let other people into your life now you say, I know people say well I trusted somebody and they hurt me yeah right every single human being in this room today has had that experience it doesn't invalidate the principle of being accountable one to another because if you want to have strong relationships and you want to be helpful to other people you had better be willing to have surgery done on yourself as well and quit living a you know, some shadowy, secretive life. It's one of the things that always gets me about cults, you know. Mormons have all these secret little ceremonies they do and secret locations in their temple, you know. We have no secret locations in this building. If you want to know where anything is in this building, ask one of our children because they climb in there. They know all the hiding spots. You know, when you can't find your kids, that's where they are. I don't know where it is because I'm not in that club, but, you know, when I was a kid, I knew every, every spot in our church are we willing to be teachable thirdly do I have knowledge of God now this is profound right out of the scriptures do I have knowledge of God or does he have knowledge of me ooh now I know some of you brainiacs are going wait a minute well let me read the scripture I'm just rewording basically what verse 3 says but if any man love God the same the same man is known of him of God Wow. In our pride we declare our knowledge, but Paul says only one who has love is known of God. Now, I understand you. What do you mean? Doesn't God know everybody? Yes, God knows everybody. <laughs> Doesn't God know his children? Yes, God knows his children. The point that Paul is making here is that it's the person that loves other people that God takes notice of. We're down here with all our knowledge thinking we're helping everybody by telling them what to do and what our opinion is and we're doing a big favor in that and boy, God's going to thank me one day. If it's absent of love, no, he's not. Instead, he might see a Christian who doesn't know all the answers, maybe doesn't know all the theology, but knows that they love their brethren and that gets the attention of God. Maybe the, well, not maybe, the text verse on this, most of you know 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity or love, I'm become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I can move mountains and I have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me Nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vauneth not itself, is not puffed up. See it? Love is essential in the life of the believer. It is the one command the Lord gave us there in that night before his arrest and crucifixion. In John chapter 14 and 15, he talks over and over about this is my commandment that ye love one another. But this is what I find. I find oftentimes Christians that really get engaged in their faith are far more comfortable studying and gaining knowledge. But who cares? Who is being edified by your knowledge? It's easy to evaluate someone's positions and to be a critic and to hold theological positions, and by the way, which is legitimate in itself, but uh, I, I'm just telling you, the priority when it comes down to it is love over over knowledge. And and the the, the bottom line is, sometimes I find Christians are really great. They'll go study and they want to know all this stuff, and they can they can quote and they can argue about all this, split the hairs of this, that, and the other. But you know, can, when's the last time you looked into the eyes of a person whose spouse has just left them? When's the last time you looked into the eyes of somebody who's battling an addiction and has failed in battling that addiction for the 10th time? Or looking into the eyes of a mom who lost a baby in the pregnancy? Or you get a job, a call from someone that they lost their job and they're asking, how am I going to pay my mortgage and feed my kids? What good is all your knowledge And the problem is most believers divorce these two things away from each other and we're all into our studies and into our theology and everything but there's nobody in our life that we're discipling that we know them well enough that we're walking through life with them that balances out our knowledge and literally puts our knowledge to a practical use. Who cares? Is it about you being right or another being built see when somebody puffs up that's me inward getting bigger loving someone is outward and one of my favorite quotes is love is the supreme ethic God is love now this morning going to be brutally blunt to you again this morning if you think God is not talking to you God is talking to you Oh, I don't have that problem. Yes, you do. We must love people. We must disciple people. We must build. You know, whenever you build something, it takes labor, it takes materials, it takes plans, it takes cost or money, it takes time. But as a child of God, if you really believe your faith, you really believe that Jesus is the son of God and he's coming again and that when you die, you're going, if you, if you really believe all that, then don't you think that it is part and ought to be important in your life that you're involved in something that's of greater purpose? You know, we have so many people in our country and our culture around the world today. I saw, I saw an interview with uh, Howie Mandel, you know, Howie, and, and he's got all this fame and all this stuff, and, and I think he told Joe Rogan, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm totally miserable, Totally miserable. You think, oh, if I just get enough money and I have all this, I'll be sad. Well, I'd rather have money than not have money. But if you think that's going to bring you happiness and purpose in life, you're wrong. And as Christians, we know what, what an eternal purpose is. And oftentimes, we're not even involved in it. How can you build on a job site unless you get on the job site? You know, our, our, our wanna kids are building cars for the Derby. You can't build a car by just sitting in your room, going boom, You know, at least not yet. Maybe, maybe you can get a drone. Um, you got to go get the block of wood. You got to get a saw. You got to get your hands on. You got to sand it. You got you, you, you to get up close and personal. Aren't you glad that God got up close and personal? Amen. Philippians chapter two says God could have stayed in the glories of heaven forever and ever, and not, but instead He left His secure His took on flesh and blood, dwelt among us, was betrayed, was scourged, was crucified. He, people say, where's God in the, in the midst of my pain? I, I've had this problem and I don't think God showed up. Yes, God did show up. God, the son endured more pain than any one of us in this room has ever endured. And he did it for you. If God said this is how you love, you get up close and personal and you give for the betterment of others, should not we do the same thing? like Barnabas did with Paul when he first got saved. Remember, nobody was afraid of Paul because he'd been persecuting the church. No one wanted anything to do with him. But Barnabas had enough faith and had enough love in his heart to go take Paul, and we know the rest of the story. Paul with Timothy, his own son in the faith. Paul got involved in reaching a younger man and and loved that young man so much in the faith that he called him his own son. How about John with Gaius? Remember, the apostle John had this, uh, one of the guys that he worked with, a a young man named Gaius, had problems in their local church with a man named Diotreph so he had to deal with conflict Peter and John Mark remember John Mark who failed in the garden of uh, uh, Gethsemane ran away and then also we went on the first missions trip and he quit on them but you know Peter and, and Barnabas they didn't quit on John Mark Paul with Aquila and Priscilla who had a bunch of knowledge but didn't have it quite figured out and came alongside them and patiently taught them the word of God sometimes sometimes I worry that as God has gifted our church as a teaching church i think that we that's as a church we're 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 good at that we're a church that's full of a lot of knowledge and i'm thankful for that i i really am but god brought this message to me on my heart personally as the pastor here at open door and I know 100%. That's what God wants me to tell us. Let's not get so full of ourselves and splitting every theological hair that we miss the main thing of loving people. And if you're a child of God and you have some basic knowledge and and there. There's nobody in your world that you're influencing, that you're actively involved in helping their spiritual walk. Either come to faith in Christ as a new believer, or maybe they're a new believer. They're younger than you, or just maybe it's somebody that's in the same walk of life, stage of their life as you are in their spiritual walk. But but you are part of helping them go down the road of life uh, from a biblical spiritual perspective. Is there anybody, anybody at all? That, that looks to you and says, oh, that person has been a blessing and helps me with these problems and they, they have some knowledge in some areas that comes along and, and demonstrates love on me that helps me deal with these areas of my life. Is there anybody who cares? Anybody? I'm just telling you as a guy who's done a lot of different things in this life and I've been blessed to meet people from all different walks of life and from people of great poverty to people of tremendous wealth that You take God out of this life, there's just no reason to be here. As Solomon said, it's all vanity. And life is hard no matter what. I'm not here trying to tell you, oh, you do this and no. But I will tell you, as somebody who's been privileged in a small measure to help some folks, there's nothing more fulfilling than following the call of God to demonstrate love to other people and help them grow in their spiritual life. It's awesome. Many years ago, when I first got into full-time ministry, it's been a long time now, but um, I started, it's a difference when you, when I, before I became a full-time pastor, I would fill in and preach at our pulpit at our church that we were serving in Indiana and do other things. But when you become a pastor and you have to teach and feed people, you know, once or twice a week, in my first eight years, I did like four or five sermons a week, which was crazy and stupid and foolish. But that's what the Independent Baptists tell you to do. Um, but um, I would write all these sermons, and I started writing them and writing them and writing them and I would preach them and I was just zealous to make sure everybody understood and which is a good thing again, you know make sure you 're hermeneutically and homiletically and theologically it 's all everything is you know square, and you can defend your position, all this wonderful stuff but uh, after several months of doing that, I just kind of felt an emptiness and I remember one day, the Holy Spirit was just kind of. I'm like, God, what am I? What am I missing here? What am? What am I? What am I missing? And I remember writing on one of my sermons, at the end of it. And somewhat I was in discouragement, but some I was. I knew God was talking to me. I just wrote it at the end of my sermon, "Who cares? What difference does it make?" Sometimes it's easy for us pastors to, we, we're all week folks and writing our sermon, wonderful thing. But you folks, you got to get up tomorrow morning on Monday morning and go to a workplace that's ungodly. You got to go back out in the world and deal with things. We pastors can stay in our little office over there, all, you know, whatever. And God said, hey, if you don't give them my word in love that helps them deal with life, it's just knowledge and knowledge puffeth up. But if you give them knowledge, and then you get involved in their life and you love on them, that edifies. Dear Lord, I thank you today for the preaching of your word and the teaching. God, help us as a church to be a church not only of knowledge, but also of love. God, help us to love one another. Help us to be vulnerable with one another. Um, And Lord, when we do get hurt, which will happen, give us enough faith and confidence in your love to continue to do the right thing. Lord, I pray if there's one here today who doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that today would be the day they'd say, Pastor Ken, I don't know that I'm on my way to heaven. Uh, Just like Lainey did, would you simply trust Jesus? He died for you. He said, if you'll come to me and ask me for it, I'll give you eternal life. I died for your sins. You made mistakes, but I paid the price. And I'm offering you just as a gift, a free gift eternal life would you by faith receive it from the Lord Jesus Christ how about it dear Christian are you dwelling with others just with knowledge or are you edifying are you involved in building someone else's life for eternal purposes maybe there's some area that you need to deal with maybe there's a moat in your eye or maybe there's some issue Holy Spirit of God, I pray you'd help us as a church family to be a church of peace and harmony and um, yet also one that seeks after your word, that seeks after knowledge and seeks to teach. But God, help us to be a people that teach with love. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me? Brother Joe's going to lead us in uh, another great hymn.